Welcome to the number one South Asian radio station in North America. Ruckus Avenue Radio. I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle. And as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Darnikar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, join me for a conversation with the multi-talented performer Shobha Narayan. Stay tuned. Once again, thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, for sharing this with your friends, and of course, for following us on social media at My Good Friend. So when I was in fourth grade, my teacher used to play records. Yes, records. In class, every day, and we all listened to Evita, Sweeney Todd, and a lot of other Broadway musicals. At home, my family had always been very keen on keeping the Marathi play and musical theater, or Natak and Natisangit, very active in the natural soundtrack of our lives. So at any given point, whether American or Desi, musical theater truly has always been a part of my own pop cultural upbringing. Nonetheless, though, the voices and faces of the Broadway singer or performer were seldom reflective of a brown context or perspective. Thankfully, today performers like Shobha Narayan are helping to establish a new norm in this space. Shobha grew up near Philadelphia, is classically trained in Bharatnatyam, and studied at the Boston Conservatory. She's a multi-talented performer with acting credits in film and television in Gossip Girl, Quantico, and Coin Heist, among others. But it's her Broadway career that's broken barriers. She was the first South Asian female in a principal role since Bombay Dreams in Natasha, Pierre, and the Great Comet of 1812. And she also starred as Eliza in Lin-Manuel Miranda's worldwide phenomenon, Hamilton. Most recently, she played Nessa Rose in Wicked, and as Broadway comes roaring back in 2021, she's set to star as Princess Jasmine in the musical version of Aladdin. We caught up this past spring for a conversation, and Shobha reflected on how her wonderful journey started. Yeah, well, I guess the journey all began when I was a a toddler, I guess. Um, I was a very theatrical kid. I don't know where it came from. I think probably Disney movies had something to do with it. Blame it all on Disney. (laughs) Um, But I... I started to put on these one woman variety shows for my family every night. So that's how it all started. I would prepare these shows while my mom was cooking dinner. And um, I mean, it was it was prepared, also improvised. um, But I would cut out construction paper tickets. I don't know where I learned that from. I would give a pre-show speech for no recorded devices. I also don't know where I learned that from. I, I had this whole I had this whole shtick that I would do before I launched into my performance and my family was you know they, they had to attend they were all sitting on the couch and um, it's funny because uh, though I, I feel like it is a 
treat to go see a Broadway show. I feel like I still wrote my family into watching me perform still. Um, Do they give you a lot of grief about those shows and in, in reminiscing about that or? You know, um, my older brother was dragged to a lot of my performances. He was dragged to my first audition and um, he's very sweet to this day will supports me um in everything that i do but i'm sure i put him through the ringer quite a bit <laughs> and so i did for my little brother as well i remember um coming back from school um and it was my responsibility to like give him a snack he's a, he's a couple years younger than me and you know i felt really comfortable singing in front of him i wasn't always comfortable singing in front of like my parents as i got older i started to feel a little bit more inhibited um but he would always hear me like belting out songs before my parents came home and I remember he would like call my mom and be like mom she won't stop singing what do I do so I did I did torture my brothers um quite a bit but hopefully it was all worth it and uh, more so for them let's hope um (laughs) but you know and and I understand you you actually like many South Asian um you know kids growing up here learned in Indian classical art like Bharatnakyam and were there some launches there that you know were critical in being able to now translate that to a you know theater art or singing or um you know entertainment in general oh 100% I think as I so so my parents are from southern India so they felt strongly about putting me into Carnatic music and Bharatanatyam. And they also put me into um, ballet classes, violin lessons, classical voice lessons, um, which was just very kind of them. They were essentially a shuttle service my yeah. entire childhood. So I'm, I'm very grateful. But as I started progressing in Bharatanatyam, um, what was super helpful to me as I was developing into a more advanced dancer was like learning how to do the longer pieces like the Varnums and and be able to carry a storyline and be able to switch from being theatrical theatrical and, and telling a full story from Hindu mythology to then um, then cutting to a more rhythmic pure dance section and it requires a lot of like uh, artistic maturity to be able to do that so I think I, I saw a lot of growth in that um, and I think that definitely helped me in my uh, western acting and musical theater to be able to carry a storyline by myself for that duration right. and, and build that stamina do you remember your Arangay drum how did that performance for you sort of prepping up for something like that compared to perhaps an opening night or an audition or you know was are there any parallels um, to what you experienced there Yeah, I think um, so. I and I don't think this is true of a lot of Bharatanatyam teachers or or schools of thought, but I was trained in the Kalakshetra style and it's very strict. And the people who go there truly dedicate their life to the arts. And it's less of what I feel has become more of like a a hobby in the U.S. or like a graduation. The idea of like, oh, you achieved this and now you don't do it anymore but it's a commitment so my teacher um, Shobha Sharma who is a disciple of the Dhananjayans who uh, learned from the whole lineage right the whole lineage um, and her thing was we're not training for the Arangetram we're training for 
going to India and performing and continuing on. And this is not, you're not going to think of this as a graduation. And, and you still teach as well, right? I do still teach. Yeah. Um, but she was big on, we're not going to think of this as um, a graduation. This is not going to, you are, you are committing yourself yeah. to a life in the arts. And, and that's what this moment means. This is, if anything, a dress rehearsal for right. what it to come. So I had that in my mind and I'm, I'm really glad that I had that, um, commitment from a teacher and that, that belief in a teacher that I could, I could continue on and, and do something greater. Um, but yeah, I did, I did view it as, as a dress rehearsal for everything that was to come. Um, is there, I mean, with that, is there a, a thread then that now from that training, from your uh, earlier performances. When when did the leap happen? So I, um, after graduating, so I ended up going to uh, the Boston Conservatory when I was in, for college, I'm sorry. So when I was in high school, I had to decide what I was, what I was gonna do, what schools yeah. I was gonna start looking at. And surprisingly, my parents were um, super supportive of me going into the arts. They felt like I had a flair and a passion for it. And I don't think they would have allowed me to go to a conservatory had they not felt like I would find a way to succeed. So um, for conservatory programs, what ends up happening is you you audition into the program, you have a seat within a very small group of people, and that is the track that you are going on. There's no switching schools and um, or like changing majors. It's like you are auditioning to be in a very specific program and that's what you're going to do. So um, my senior year, I, I auditioned for a bunch of musical theater programs. The reason why I picked um, musical theater and not just voice and not just dance or not just acting was I felt like it would give me the best um, skill set, the most diverse skill set to um to feel comfortable enough to explore different avenues within the entertainment industry, whether that was Broadway or TV and film or directing or, um, or producing or really any of the things that, you know, I, am able to kind of, um, dip my, dip my toes in now. Um, it offered a lot of versatility. Sounds like. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that I did that because I feel like being a multi-hyphenate artist is more important than ever right now. You just have to be able to do so many things. And especially now in COVID, you you have to be able to then convert those skills into something that is digital that can be um, seen by, by, you know, people online who are interested in following your journey. So um, I I graduated from the program and I... um, I got signed with uh, an agent out of school, and I started going on these uh, on, on these auditions and started joining the the New York City grind that actors you know, go on yeah. audition after audition. And the first few jobs I booked, actually, so my first TV job out of school was Gossip Girl. I I was on uh, I, I played a, a queen bee on Gossip Girl. It was like the quintessential New York show. Well, yeah. that Law and Order, but it was very exciting that to to do something like that as my first gig and I, I continued to book actually more tv and film gigs yeah. um, for the first few years and I wasn't I actually wasn't doing musicals yeah and that made me sad because that's kind of how I 
um, not how I, passion I, I, yeah, I had the passion for, for musicals. Like I'm, I'm such a theater nerd. I, I wanted to have that experience of standing behind the curtain during an overture. Um, those moments still make me so emotional. Um, but there was a moment in time where I thought, you know, I'm not going to do a musical. That's not where my career is going to go. Um, but then, uh, in 2016, uh, also uh, Broadway in general was not super um, open-minded in its casting at the time. Mm-hmm. It was still very white or black and nothing really in between. And the idea of a person of color taking on a lead role was not was not yet a thing unless you happen to be pretty established in your career, I guess, yeah. at that point yeah. in time. Um, but it was a rarity and I knew that going into school, that was something I battled with within school, just because what you see on media, what you see on stage is, is how people end up perceiving you. And I, I don't think that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that, that pipeline just wasn't necessarily there, um, you know, in, in those days. And it, it feels like, you know, Broadway in particular may not have necessarily been, you know, a fertile sort of ground to allow for that to happen. And was there kind of a switch that went off either within Broadway or for you? You know, I think there there were two. So I had a pivotal moment in college. Um, I think I had a difficult time um, through and I, I couldn't quite pinpoint why it was difficult until years later. But it is it was a very white art form. I did have only white professors. I was in um, a conservatory of mostly white people. I was the only Indian girl in my class. But I had these um, I had a, a drive to play the lead roles in these traditional musicals or um you know, take take on a more uh, like leadership role within a show, and again, like when what you don't see on stage, what you don't see in the media, it makes an impact in how people view you and how they see the trajectory of your career. And so, I don't think I was seen as a lead, and I think that kind of affected the way that I viewed myself and where I fit within the industry. But then something kind of shifted for me my senior year. I um, I was part of a cabaret, so it was like a, a song cycle to, we were raising money for um, a charity, and I kind of had the freedom to pick whatever song I wanted to sing, and something within me kind of I, like a, a light switch was flipped and I picked a song that was so a pop song that was so ambitious that um, I probably would not have picked two years, three years prior, just because I was I felt, I don't know, almost like, who am I to pick this song like sure. this is but I uh, something something shifted in me and I went for it and I kind of stopped listening to the noise and the the boxes that people were putting me in and I did that cabaret and everyone's jaw fell to the floor mm-hmm. and I think it was a life-altering realization to me that believing in yourself and being you are the fact that you are your own best advocate yeah I'm sure that must have been a huge confidence builder, right? I mean, just to even like 
have the recognition and the validation, but to also then now have a little more trust in your own skills and develop that confidence. Um, and, and did that now accelerate how others perhaps were viewing the, you know, open window to say, hey, we really do need to have a person of color playing a lead role? 100%. Um, within school, um, what ended up happening was that song that I sang in the cabaret ended up being what I sang in my senior showcase. Mm. So that is what all the agents and managers came to see. Um, they saw my entire class. They then, you know, um, made offers. And I ended up being, I think, the person who got the most offers out of that showcase. And that was something that I was just not expecting, given like kind of how I felt I was perceived, I guess, the past yeah. years. But again, like it just goes to show that believing in yourself and following your instincts has um is, is super powerful. And, um, that's how, that's, I feel like when things shifted for me personally, um, within the industry, um, as I was saying, I was booking a lot of TV and film and not, um, Broadway in 2016, there were a couple of change makers that entered the arena and had the opportunity to mount shows on Broadway. And those people were Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't new. He did In the Heights, um, but Hamilton was very pivotal in its casting. And then Rachel Chavkin and Dave Malloy, who were responsible for Natasha Pierre and The Great Comet of 1812. So um, Hamilton actually did enter my orbit, but I'll get back to that later. Yeah. But I auditioned for uh, Natasha Pierre and the role at the time was um, that I was going in for was the understudy to the lead yeah. uh, which is was this beautiful um, monstrosity of a role <laughs> it truly carried the show um, gorgeous arias just um, the, the role and who I was as a person just aligned so beautifully yeah. um and then the other part of that job was to play violin and be wow. part of the ensemble. And that just goes to show you have to be a multi-hyphenate artist. I was able to pick up my violin after years of having, you know, having kind of neglected it. And yeah. I worked my butt off to to get that job. And that that was a huge shift for me because um, the moment that I did get to take on the role, um, I didn't realize this at the time, but I became the first South Asian woman to play a principal role on Broadway in like 13 years since Bombay Dreams. Bombay Dreams, right. Is it more motivating to know that, you know, after that you're you're being rejected or denied from something you're so passionate about or that you have the prospect to really pave the way for South Asians as a the first South Asian principal lead, um, you know, on a Broadway show? Like, are they are they combined? Are they mutually exclusive? Like what motivating factors, you know, are there for um, a working artist who's, for the most part, really trying to, you know, make the, you know, take your own skill and craft and, and make these roles your own? Yeah, I think um, I think both uh, both truths exist. I yeah. think 
Um, you know, when I think back on what motivated me and I, I was actually um, thinking about when I first started dating my now husband, we were in college and he I remember him asking me and he also remembers this vividly. He's like, why? Why do you do what you do and what motivates you? Yeah. Um, and I remember telling him. You know, I never saw someone that looked like me on a Broadway stage. I never saw someone that looked like me in a in a starring role. And that um, that impacted me. And I want to be that I want to be that person for other people if I'm able to. So um, that's kind of that that was that was a, a huge motivator and and really did keep me going. And yes, it, it would have in best in the best case scenario, like it would have happened and it, and it did. But I mean, the heartbreak along the way is just like um, is really difficult. You're you're truly getting rejected from 90 yeah. percent or more of the things that you go in for. And you're you're putting your whole heart into it and you're um, being as sincere and thoughtful in every audition, yeah. in every interaction and the amount of no's that you deal with is, is very hard. It's yeah. really, really hard. Um, but that just makes the moments of, um, success or getting to do what you love and having the opportunity even, even more sweeter, even more sweet, excuse me. No, I was going to say, I mean, and now that you have, I wouldn't, I would say, you know, perhaps rebroken that barrier, like reimagine this for yourself and, and now maybe other South Asians, you know, is it possible? I'm just thinking about some of the characters and, you know, sort of themes that you've been able to go through. I mean, Nessa Rose has uh, a disability and kind of more of a tragic character or, you know, Eliza has this sweet um, sadness about her. And, you know, as you mentioned, sort of Natasha's sort of this graceful, but daring, um, you know, person. Is there a way that, you know, others who are not South Asians can certainly take those roles and, and portray them? Is there some infusion of you or the South Asian-ness of you that has, you know, put itself into into those roles? And, and what do those roles maybe maybe say about you in general? Yes. Uh, has my South Asian-ness bled into the roles that I've played? Absolutely. It is an undeniable facet of who I am. And I, I bring myself to every, I bring myself in parts of my journey, my pain, my grief, my, my happiness to everything that I've gotten to play and being South Asian and going down this path and growing up the way that I did definitely has impacted everything. Um, all of my decisions, all the way that I think, the way that I speak, the way that I view certain things for sure. Um, yeah. And, and, and all of the roles that you mentioned, none of them are specific to being South Asian. So there, there have been um, mostly, uh, I want to say Caucasian women to inhabit Nessa Rose. I think more recently that has started to open up to people of color, which is wonderful. Uh, Lin-Manuel made the made the decision from the get-go uh, and yes, so did yes. Rachel Chavkin with the role of Natasha that it was going to be played by um, it was it was going to be open to non-Caucasian performers yeah. and yeah. it was going to stay that way um, so for sure any any ethnicity can can inhabit these roles and um, 
yeah, there are, there are probably southern aspects to, to everything um, that I've played. I'll try to think of specifics. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's many mudras coming out into the uh, Eliza. Uh, you know, you know, you'd be surprised. I actually, you needed quite a bit of dexterity for the that, yeah like, for some Skylar sister moments. Um, so my mudras <laughs> and the sharpness of it definitely came into play. There you um, go. I mean, uh, what's this? Oh my gosh. Andy Blankenbuehler, uh, the choreographer yeah. of Hamilton, uh, used a lot of mudras and hand gestures to um, describe many moments in the show. Uh, the dancers in Hamilton in particular uh, were, and this is how it is for a lot of dance in musical theater, but I feel like Hamilton in, in particular, he was very specific word for word having hand yeah. gestures um, involved. And I, I think it does, I think there might actually be some classical Indian dance influence in sure. uh, in, in him deciding to do something like that in the show. So it's great. Um, and, and, you know, right now, at least, it seems like there's sort of a, a renaissance of both participation and representation of, you know, South Asians in, in virtually, a lot, I mean, specifically a lot of media and, and arts um, and entertainment. You know, you've you said you've worked in film and television, um, but particularly on Broadway or in theater, wh why has South Asian representation been so fleeting? I think um, I think it all starts kind of at the top and who is behind um, producing projects, who are the writers that are being given the opportunity. There are less opportunities, I think. There are definitely less opportunities for um, theater, for productions to be mounted than for TV shows to be filmed, yeah. period. There's just... Um, there, there are just way more opportunities there. But I think um, Broadway is a small community and it's it's harder for people to rise to the top and to and for minorities to get opportunities to have their work produced, um, to produ produ be part of the producer team themselves, to make um, an effort to get more POC involved in the casting, uh, in the direct, in the direction of a production. And I think that, um, there have been a lot of conversations, especially post, um, not post, but during, during BLM, um, yeah. there was an effort for the Broadway community to come together to really dismantle what it, what actually kind of is white supremacy, um, yeah. in, um, in our industry. So, is, that an, is that an ultimate aim for you to sort of, you know, be a part of that um, infrastructure? And as you mentioned, like, you know, take a leadership role in that to make it so that the ingredients and the environment are easier for people of color and South Asians to, um, you know, really get those roles and, and be a big part of this? 100%. I think, um, I think down the road, Will I be part of sort of the um, the the leadership behind a production? Perhaps, and I hope so. No. I think right now where I sit is um, let me uh, by performing. I hope that the visibility helps our community um, have get more opportunities. And I think the the I feel like the fact of me or the. <laughs> visualization of me actually on stage right. 
is is impact um in that casting directors are seeing that and they're seeing what's possible and um they're hopefully opening their their doors a little bit more for for our community um more personally like more personally in quarantine i have co-written a pilot with one of my good friends Ambika Subramaniam who's um, who's a writer and an art director and um, we are trying to create more opportunities for um, South Asian creators to come in and, and inhabit these roles so I'm doing uh, I'm doing what I can to hopefully push push the envelope and move things forward in a way that I, I would love for our industry to be one day yeah I think, uh, Shobha, for any of the folks who are listening to your work, who are able to witness some of your performances, I think they're, we're all grateful for it. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. And um, I hope you'll come back and join us soon. Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Shobha. And if you're in New York, you can catch Aladdin at the New Amsterdam Theater. Remember that there's only one Mother Earth, so let's protect her and ourselves through climate action and urgency. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandeka. Do you mind uh, singing something? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. I'll do my thing and you tell me if it's okay. It must be nice. It must be nice to have not iron on your side. No, no, no. This is how you do it. It must be nice. It must be nice to have not iron on your side. Because every story told is a lesson learned. Because every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share stories about South Asian people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hear it every Monday, Tuesday on Ruckus Avenue Radio or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, this is Samika, and you're tuned in to Ruckus Avenue Radio exclusively on Dash Radio.